Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Tim Miles talks about Sprint Gas Racing's future. Paul Crookshank reflects on his year as a two-car team, and the Island 300 is confirmed. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on this special edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Quickly in news coming to hand, the island is confirmed for the Bahrain round replacement. It will be the island 300 with a 100 race with normal qualifying procedures on Saturday along with a 20-minute shootout qualifying on Sunday morning and the 200-kilometre race. The race meeting will be held over two days for the fans to get up close and personal All ticket holders will have a chance for a free grid walk on the Sunday race and free access to the V8 supercar pits. V8 supercars and the Fox family have come together to get the Phillip Island race up and running in short notice and will be making contributions to two charities as part of the weekend's activities. For prices and tickets to the Island 300, check out the V8 supercar website. Last weekend... The Toll Holden Racing Team held its first ever Family Day. With 15,000 fans coming in to see the Clayton headquarters and meet up with all the drivers from the team, it was classified as a hugely successful experience. After weeks of speculation, Jamie Winkup will go to the Race of Champions in Beijing. He'll be one of 16 drivers from multiple motorsport disciplines that get to run in the Bird Nest circuit. The race of champions sees drivers competing on an identically created custom track built in the stadium that hosted the 2008 Olympics. The knockout style format sees them progress through the divisions before the two finalists go head to head to battle it out on the racetrack in what they class as the super final. J-Dub will be driving a range of cars including a Ford Focus WRC, a KTM Expo, an Arbor 500 along with the Race of Champions custom car and an RX150. The event will take place in the first weekend of November 2nd through to the 4th. And that's the news on this V8 Insiders Extra. After the break, Tim Miles will be along, then later, Paul Crookshank. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au, or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Will Davison from the Toll Holden Racing Team, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. 
taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Well, Tim Miles, part of Sprint Gas Racing, and Sprint Gas has been certainly part of the rumour mill in V8 Supercars over the last few months. Uh, first of all, Tim, I guess, how's the team travelling financially? Because one of the major rumours up and down pit lane is that it's been pretty tight. Oh, it has been. Without doubt, it's been tighter. We're, we're in a, a much tighter economic cycle than, um, than than we've been used to operating in, and, and that's put pressure on um, on our sponsors, um, which, which trickles down to being pressure on us. But... Um, I think any business that you operated in the environment that we've been in over the last eight to ten months um, will have had a, a, a cash flow challenge, whether it's because there was less money coming in the top or whether it was because payments have moved out from the from, from normal cycles. Um, cash flow is always tight, so and, and car racing is worse than most because we have a tendency to spend 105% of what we get. So. Um, you, you don't have that that buffer that you would have in, in most businesses. So yeah, it's been it's been tough, but but nothing that you wouldn't expect. I guess that's why some of the uh, some of the things we've been hearing, the machinations for 2010, have been surprising. And it, it looks like Tasman Motorsport is getting very close to uh, working with Rod Nash Racing and perhaps another partner to expand your operations. Um. I don't know where um, or, or, or how that rumour started. I mean, I, I think the key thing, the rumours have come about as a result of us looking to change the business model. We did exactly the same last year. Um, we entered the sport when teams could run two-car team or a one-car team. You didn't have the option to be three or four because uh, of the way the, the categories rules were at that time. So we, we came into the sport with the concept of being a manufacturer, which gave you the ability to... Um, spread your cost base over customer teams plus your own team um, for various reasons but the main one is us being not quick enough on the track we haven't um, been able to solicit the customer base that we needed for that business model to work and so like last year um, I've spent some time with um, my co-owner Kevin Murphy looking at what is a better business model and and once you identify what is a business, better business model, is that business model available to us now um, without significant capital expenditure to, to achieve it? And as a result of that, I've talked to a number of teams up and down the pit lane who, who may, may be good partners. Um, ironically, Rod Nash isn't one of the people that I've spoken to, but um, uh, the rumour mill certainly says I have, so there you go. Maybe Kev has, but we, we haven't settled on a partnership or, or anything with, with anybody. The, the, the conclusion we came to from our review is that um, have a four-car team a la Kelly or uh, Wilkinshaw, the um, ability to amortise the cost base is by far the best business model that's in the pit lane at the moment and available to someone like us. So uh, a triple-eight um, business model where they're a good supplier to everybody um, 
and have got a competitive product is, is probably still a better business model. But when you're in a situation that we're in, um, we finding a way to spread the cost base is better, and a four-car team is definitely gives you that because there's a certain degree of fixed costs within the business that don't change with the addition of another two cars, or, or if they do change, they only change marginally. So um, we have been talking to people about um, forming informal uh, alliances, formal joint ventures, um, and seeing where that takes us. None of it has really got any significant traction at the moment. And just like in 2008 when we did the same thing, we resolved that the best business model for us to go forward was staying with the status quo, and, and so we did. So it's more the rumours are more a case of um, everybody in the motorsport fraternity sits in the same vicinity 14 times a year, and everybody talks about what everybody else is doing. And in, in other businesses, you'd get away with having these kinds of conversations. Um, you don't get away with it in car racing because, it, because everybody talks. Um, the rumours don't really have foundation because there's nothing that has um, significant traction at the moment. Mm. So the goal is to be four cars next year if it's the right deal. Uh, the goal is to... Yeah, yes. If, if, if we could find a way to become a four-car team next year that didn't involve capital. So in other words, if there was somebody that we were able to form a, um, a joint venture with, then absolutely. Um, and if that doesn't work, um, then we'll be looking for some other form of hybrid that, that would work or we'll stick with the status quo. But the goal, like if I, if, if you had the, the, um, the perfect world, then, then yes, you'd, you'd partner up with another two-car team to create a four-car team. The problem, as you can obviously identify, is that um, the vast majority of other um, Holden teams have already entered into some form of alliance. And so um, I don't want to spend capital, uh, which means that I need to be sticking on the Holden side of the fence. And, and I, at this stage... We haven't come up with with a, an alliance that, that's going to work. So I think it's um, it's unlikely that it would happen next year. But but maybe we'll we'll start a, a more informal alliance that would set the foundations for future years. Does the work that's being done on the car of the future make you think that waiting is going to be beneficial or detrimental? That's exactly. You've actually hit the nail on the, on the head. Um, because we know the car of the future is coming, and, and, and I, I believe that that's probably more likely to be something involved too than um, than it being a revolutionary change. But but because it's coming and because it's no, not yet set in stone, um, making a change now that involved any form of capex would be um, wouldn't be prudent. Simply because a, a move to the car of the future is highly likely to involve some capex in either 12 or 24 months, and so you don't want to be making. Uh, significant business decisions now that turn out to be badly founded once the car of the future uh, plans are established. So it makes the likelihood of needing to wait um, more, I guess, more prudent. And therefore, we are, these discussions that we're having with other teams are very much um, is there somebody that we can start a relationship with now that that may form into something bigger down the track. As a team owner, and you said uh, very clearly that uh, often it's 105% of the budget that gets spent, is it frustrating that the cost reductions and, and the cost capping, if you like, has never been successful? No, 
No, it's not. And and the reason for that is uh, I, I strongly believe that the only way that you'd reduce the amount of money that teams spend in V8 supercars would be to take away the tally. Because as long as uh, a team can raise $10 million, they'll spend $10 million. It's just it's the nature of, of what we do. Um, the, the most expensive uh, part about going car racing is not being successful because when you're not getting the on-track results, you uh, find it harder to keep sponsors. Um, you find it harder to attract a good staff, you find it harder to attract the good drivers and it becomes a downward spiral. So um, you have to be competitive to have a successful business model and as a result of that, people will spend what they need to spend to be competitive. And so I, I think that if, if we continued on the track example, for example, the cost capping that you were talking about there, um, people would have found ways around, around that and it would have become quite nebulous. I think if we went to um, the cost containment thing that, that the guys are working on at the moment, Really, it's been a very, very good process of identifying things that we can do better in the car of the future to um, stop needless expenditure. So, you know, there's things like the, the, the top end of the engine at the moment. I, th I feel strongly that we can um, put better uh, regulation around the top end so that we get more miles out of it. Um, that will be a money saving that's um, moving into perpetuity because you, you're, you're going to continue to get that saving over and over and over again. And it's a saving that happens on a component that we currently replace um, regularly. So, you know, to use two, two contrasts, if you're talking about uh, a regulation that means we buy different valves and different valve springs, given we've got um, five engines for a two-car team and given the amount of times we rebuild those engines during the year, you can life your existing stock out very quickly. Whereas moving to a control wheel, even if you can save 400 um, moving to a control wheel creates an expense of moving to that wheel. And that's the difficulty in the championship, creating the cost controls they want to, because any of the, the things that they try to do um, will have some form of negative impact with their implementation. And so it's a very delicate balancing act that the guys have to work through. I think they've done incredibly well with this championship to, to have now the level of uh, quality competition that you have up and down the pit lane now. I mean, we got into it five years ago, and five years ago there was 10 cars that you expected to be in front of, and then there was 20 cars you thought you were competing against. Now every weekend you're front up, there's 30 cars you're competing with, 29 cars you're competing against, because the quality's got so much better, and that's because the championship's so well-structured. Mm. Well, Tim, just as we finish up here, if we could do two more myth busters for you before I leave you. Greg Murphy's going to take his license somewhere else. It, it's hard to believe when you hear rumours like that, knowing that uh, his father's part owner's with you. Yeah, and and it's not his license. So um, that's a good one. If Greg does come up and give us $2 million for license to take somewhere else, um, I'll give him a kiss. But I would doubt very much that Greg wants to do that. So, no, look, I'm kidding. It, 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 that, that, that has absolutely no foundation. Mm -hmm. And the final one is uh, that Sprint Gas won't be on the car next year. Sprint Gas have got a two-year contract. Look, to be quite candid with you, um, Sprint Gas has been a, a wonderful partner, but their business is smaller now than it was um, when they came on board with us simply because the market for LPG has changed with the rebate uh, moving away. 
So I think that it's it's likely that they'll have a smaller presence next year than what they've got this year. Um, but they're very committed to us and we're very committed to them. And it's a partnership approach we're taking to it where they're saying, if we can sell a little bit of the space that they've got, then they'd be willing to give it up. If we can't, then they'll stick on as they, as they are. So, um, no, look, I don't, see that, I don't see that they'll be not on the car, but they may not be on the car in the same shape as they are now. Well, Tim, thanks very much for your time. And uh, we wish you all the best as you head to Bathurst for this year's 1,000-kilometre event. Thank you very much. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. G'day, it's Greg Murphy from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Paul Crookshank, interesting weekend, your first enduro weekend with two cars. How did you find the added responsibility and pressure? It was good. I re- we really enjoyed it. Um, Till lap four today of the race, of course. But um, no, it was it was it's been good. I mean, um, you know, we've spoken through the year and, and say so I think that the two car transition's gone pretty well, and this has really been no different. I mean, we, um, you know, there's there's. So there's extra responsibility. There's four drivers instead of two, and and you know a lot more gear and stuff. But no, it's all it's all gone good. I think probably one thing that helps is that all the races this year we go to, we're we're refueling all the time and stuff. So that it's kind of a mini enduro, you know, every week. Um, so yeah, but look, it, it's um you know the the they're big races and and you want to perform well in them. So we work hard to do our homework. So when we come here, we can put our best foot forward and um. We nearly did again, you know. We, I, I, I said to the guys, I'm a bit frustrated because we, um, we're not quite finishing the job, you know. And, and I think last time I spoke, it was about being more consistent. And you know, we, we were we were quick on Friday. We, we did all the right steps yesterday. We put us started fourth today, and and uh, and we completed four laps. And that's our that's our first engine blow up in three and a half years. And the in the main championship, we had a we had a block crack last year, which stopped us from finishing a race. But um, so I suppose you know you look at it, it's, it's we've probably got a pretty good record as far as reliability. But um, you know it always happens at the wrong time as these things do. But uh, I, I suppose only the positive out of it is that uh, I, I hope that that's out of the way and um, we can get on with Bathurst and uh, you know perform well there because certainly um, the the team has done a good job. Our pit stops have been good. Our, you know, our strategies. You know, the guys have got a good, good handle on that. Fabian's driving exceptionally well. Michael's coming along well, and um, and David and Leanne, you know, tr- backed us up, gave us good support to put a car in the top 20, uh, you know, in the second car. So, you know, it's not all bad. Yeah. I guess that was the thing. Uh, in previous years, I've spoken to you very early on the enduro weekends. This year, you still have a car that finished, and uh, as you said. It, they probably ticked most of the boxes you wanted them to tick. Yeah, and that t- today for those guys was um, 
was you know get, getting some good hard race mileage because that's the thing is uh, you know lots of people can drive these cars fast and it's you know but it's it's about um, racing them fast and consistently in the traffic all day and and uh, you know David especially he's he's really enjoyed himself today he's got stuck into it and Leanne's you know done a couple of development races so she's kind of got a little bit of a feel so but no David really enjoyed himself and look they did a really good job and and brought it home so they you know it was good going off to Bathurst now and you definitely know how tough that race is what steps are you going to take to get you ready for a month's time uh, just look we'll probably just do what we did last year because we had a good run into it last year and so um, we're going to do a test day on the 28th which I think most of the, the teams and um, they're going to do a test out at QR um, a little you know we'll do some more pit stop practice uh, but you know as say week in week out when you're when you're refueling and doing all these things, it's not a lot changes. Obviously, because it's Bathurst, you know you kind of tend to replace a few things that you might normally wouldn't replace. But um, yeah, just yeah, I think one of the big things for for the Bathurst race and for the Bathurst week is make sure your guys are fresh when you go up there. So we're not going to work all day and night and pull apart everything ten times. <coughs> excuse me. Then then um then our normal thing we'll just do what we normally do. So there's always a couple of little who do things that I get a bit paranoid about that will do but I think it's mainly you know getting your guys up there fresh and um, and then when it, when you get up there have a have a good go at it probably this is the best prepared you've been over the what three years now to go to the mountain yep. four years now yep. to go to the mountain yep. so does that mean you have got that luxury of all right guys we're going to knock off we're going to leave the shop at four on two weeks of the next four oh, yeah I hope so I mean it, generally you know you're you uh, you say to the guys go home and they won't go home because they'll be doing a few bits and pieces anyway. But um, yeah, look, this will be certainly this will be our best year to go up there and uh, and hopefully we can you know transform that into to performing well up there. And so I mean the first year we went there it's just like a blur. You know you kind of <laughs> yeah, I always say the you know the first the first championship year championship year you know we went to Adelaide and then you, you wake up at the end of the year and that's it. But like in Bathurst it's you know it was. Uh, Bathurst in 06 was difficult for us. We had the you know Marks incident up there, and so I kind of just forget that one. And you know 07 was JB's last year, and you know that was that was quite hard as well. And um, so yeah, last year was kind of a breakthrough for us. You know we we performed well up there, and and so we've got our expectation that will um, that we can go there and perform well up there. Taking race mode out of view now and looking at uh, the big picture and the championship with the announcements nine week break in the middle of the season next year starting in Middle East how have those changes that you've had a, what about a week to digest them now yeah look I think it'll be good the, the break in the middle of the year I, uh, we did that in 2007 I think didn't we when the no, last, year, last year was it oh, last year um, that that was that was really good because for us it gave us a, a little chance to have a little mid-year regroup, you know, because there's an old saying, what you got in February is what you got for the all year, you know. So, but but it allowed us last year to have a little regroup, and it was um, I really enjoyed that, and it was, and we we we, we, we had a week off, and and so, I yeah I think it's good because you know the run home is a very hard run home as you know every two weeks, so to if you can use that time, do some of the preparation stuff for that later part of the year. Have a week off and um, you know get everyone back and, and charge into it. I, th- I think it's a good thing. Obviously, an early start, so that's going to uh, we can now go back to work now and kind of see you know start planning that out. But uh, our plan would be that we would get the guys knocked off pretty much soon. That we've got a couple of ride days to do after after um, the Homebush round, 
get knocked off and have a break and then come back and rip into it because there's not, not a lot of time to do it. But um, look, I think it's uh, it's pretty groundbreaking for the championship to be doing two rounds in the Middle East and, you know, Tony's, Tony and the team have done a good job of getting that because it's, it's, it's good for our businesses. And, um, and then head to Adelaide as round three. So, yeah, I think it'll be a pretty exciting start to the year. Obviously, as a team owner, the more times that someone says we're going to pay for you to turn up and pay a lot of your costs for doing business, that's a better model. So it wouldn't matter where the race was, that's better for the financials, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I guess we've got to be um, mindful that we are V8 Supercars Australia, so we predominantly have to be Australian. But like I say to people that if, if we didn't go to the Middle East, we would have a shorter championship. So we're actually the people and the fans are getting better value for money... Even though, yeah, we, you know, they go, oh, you can't buy a Falcon in Bahrain, or you know, it, that that doesn't really matter. I think I think that those races are good because you do. They say if if we didn't go there, we wouldn't be going in. That we would have a shorter championship, and uh, so it's, I, I think it's a good thing because the, the people get more 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 TV and more things to see. Yeah. All you got to do is uh, promote that. Uh Christchurch race now and it'd be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'd love to do a race in the South Island, but look, I think the one that we do in New Zealand is good. I, I don't, I don't, I think it would take away from the impact that we have when we go there if we did two, because you know when we go there we make a very, it's the biggest uh, sporting weekend in New Zealand on, on annually. So I, I'd like to keep that because it, you know, it, it there's a there's a you know there's a there's a presence around there when when we go there, and I think that. If we did two races there, uh, I think it might impact on that. Um, you know, so when Hamilton's finished, I'll gladly help them get it in Christchurch. <laughs> what about, uh, we're talking about a very short lead time into 2010, yep. and your primary builder has got two pretty good cars that you're going to get next year, <clears> I believe, yep. but he's going to be building a lot of other cars. Has this changed any of your movements forward? No. What, look, once once we uh, settled down after we got the news, and you know, it was a bit, it was a bit of a shock for a start. But um, look, the, the, the they're great cars, and uh, and they're a great company to work with uh, at a professional level. And um, so once once we sort of digested everything, and Roland came and saw me and said, "Hey, this is what we're doing, Paul." And he said, "You know, the, the you know the, the cars are available. You can have these cars." So yeah, look, it. it it's not going to impact our business too much, um, so it was a bit of a shock for a start. But you know, it would be it would be crazy for us to try and go and change over to to, to go and race um, Commodores at this point in time. And who knows what will happen down the line? But certainly next year we'll we'll run Falcons and um, and and I yeah I think I don't think it'll affect us at all in terms of it, it, it won't shift. You know, it won't, there won't be a shift in performance. I don't think. Obviously, that decision is a, is a linchpin, though, going forward to the car of the future because you don't make the change this time. It gets harder and harder to make a change when you're only going to get one or two years out of the car. Yeah, look, I guess it does, but the, um, the, the car of tomorrow, as, as I understand it today, is only going to be an evolution of what we've got now. So, you know, the, 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 the basic componentry that we use in the cars is still going to be, be able to be used in the car of tomorrow. And they're saying that the car of tomorrow is going to be uh, a cheaper car, so therefore, you know, it, it shouldn't be too much. But um, you know, the the cars uh, that we that we get off Roland will be um, used for a year, and then we'll use them for a year, and then sort of see what happens after that. Well, all the best, and hope you do get that uh, week's break or a shorter day in the uh, week leading up to that. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Good to talk to you.
My thanks to Tim Miles and Paul Crookshank for joining us on the V8 Insiders Extra. Until next time round, as the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.